welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Praise God. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, beginning there. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood. Everybody say, an issue of blood. Now look at somebody and say, I've got my own issues. And look at somebody else and say, I know you got issues. <laughs> Come on. It, this is a church full of issues, right? Because if you ain't got no issue, you don't need God. So this woman said, had, had an issue of blood 12, 12 years. I don't know what your issue is. Your issue could be your job. Your issue could be who you're married to. Your issue could be who you're not married to. Your issue could be, amen. But I'm going to tell you something. We serve a God who the issues do not intimidate him. Amen. And had suffered many things. Everybody say many things. things. Of many physicians. Now doesn't that sound like. That sounds like me leaving the doctor's office. I have suffered many things. And I paid that dude. To make me suffer. Amen. Many physicians. And had spent all that she had. And was nothing better. But grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus. Came in the press behind. And touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt it in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? The disciples said unto him, Jesus you need to get in the shade. What do you mean, who touched you? Seest the multitude thronging thee, and, and, and sayest thou, who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. See, some of y'all are all the truth away from being healed. You just don't make that full confession. Just There's that one. Th- he wants all the truth. Not repent of the stuff people know about, but get rid of the stuff people don't know about. I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible is the father who brings his son to Jesus and said, your disciples could not heal him. And Jesus said, do you want him to be healed? Can he be healed? The response of that father was, and I'm so glad for this scripture because this is me. I deal with this. He said, Lord, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. We try to shout out our unbelief. We try to fake like we don't have unbelief. But the moment you're willing to make a full confession and say, Lord Jesus, I do believe, but I've been burned before. And I need you to help my unbelief. Amen. Told all the truth. Verse 34. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Amen. 
Verse 28, for she said, if I may, if I may just touch his clothes, I'm going to be made whole. I want to preach for a little while this afternoon on this thought. When failure forgets. When failure forgets. I need my failure to get amnesia today. I, I, I need my, my past attempts to get Alzheimer's today. I needed to forget. And I'm going to put a fresh faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to work a miracle in my life today. For he's not just the God of the tomorrow, but he's the God of my right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the liberty, the victory that we have through you, the faith that is so rich and so real in this house. Lord, I thank you for those that are here with expectation, believing. And Lord, I pray right now that you would just do what you do best. Just be God. I pray that healing would flow into this house. Salvation would flow into this house. Restoration would flow into this house. Meet every need. Supplied according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. And would you just give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Look at somebody and tell them when failure forgets. Every one of us at one time or another in our life has faced the harsh reality of failure. How many's ever been there before? Amen. We have faced that harsh reality of failure. Whether it's your first steps as a child or your first attempt to drive a vehicle or something that you continuously having, have problems with, whether it's uh, um, uh, balancing a checkbook or being uh, faithful in some other area of your life. Every one of us, without an exception, has faced failure in our lives. Amen. There, there's an old quote that says, if you've never stubbed your toe, you're probably standing still. If you've never stubbed your toe, you're probably standing still. Amen. Uh, if you have... Hurt, it's because you have loved. And don't let failed relationships keep you from loving again. Let, let me say it like this. We have reached, we have attempted to evangelize, we have reached out to people, and every one of us that has sought to reach somebody with the gospel has failed, had the door slammed in our face, walked them to the waters of baptism, amen, seen them be born again of water and spirit, and then, even then, turned away. But I want to tell you something. Don't let those who have turned back ever affect you from reaching those who have never had the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Amen? Spiritually speaking, however, perhaps you struggle with failing on a consistent basis. Maybe you have failed so many times that you have lost count. Maybe, maybe the only success that you have in life is being a failure. But I want you to know something. There comes a place in God where your failure needs to forget. And I do realize today there's a multitude of books 
Amen. There's quotations and there are motivational speakers that I could talk to you about this afternoon about overcoming failure and adversity. So many stories that I could share with you. Amen. But today, I, I really wanted to draw from the pages of God's word a story of what it's like to fail and still see God work in your life. The background of this story is very familiar to most of us. Jesus, amen, was on his way to the house of Jairus, this very wealthy and very uh, pious and religious man who comes and he meets Jesus as he comes into the city and he tells Jesus that, that uh, my daughter is at home dying. I need you to get home and to heal my little girl. She's going to die if you don't intervene in this situation. The doctors can't heal. The physicians can't help her. I need you to come to my house and I need you to heal her. Jesus was so moved by the faith of this father that he begins to press his way through the city. Amen. And, and so as it were already, Jesus had his mind fixed to what he was going to do. If you would, the, the odds were already stacked against this woman. Amen. Because uh, she was not the, not the attention uh, that Jesus was going to give her. He was trying to get to this place and uh, she was nowhere on his radar. Jesus had a mission. He was on his way, amen, to take care of a little girl. He was not on his way uh, to heal this woman. He was on his way to, to pray for the, the daughter of Jairus, amen. And, and, and But sometimes it's necessary for us to get the attention of Jesus when it seems like he's busy with somebody else, amen. You can't let somebody else getting a blessing or a miracle stop you from trying to get your blessing or your miracle because you think God is already tied up. Amen. We used to sing the song, especially on Sunday nights when we wanted to shout, and it said Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. And then we would sing, his line ain't never busy. Call him up, call him up and tell him what you want. You'll never get disconnect. Just call him up and Jesus pays his phone bill. It's never going to be out of order. It's never going to be out of service. That You're not going to get voicemail. You're not going to get call forwarding. You're not going to get the eh, eh, eh. Jesus is always available. Amen. And, and, and so now we understand that, that Jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus. And, and when it had been noised abroad that Jesus was in the city, people began to turn out, not, not by dozens or even by hundreds, but by the thousands they began to turn out because they wanted to see this miracle man of Galilee. They wanted to see this man who can open blinded eyes, who could walk on water, who could cleanse lepers. They wanted to see him. They wanted to get close to him. They wanted him to heal their sickness. They wanted him to intervene in their life. One passage of scripture says that when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion and he healed all of their sick. In this situation, he was simply walking through the city. The, the, the urgency dictated that he could not move slow. He needed to move quickly because this man's little girl lay dying at home. She, she was just about 12 years of age. And so 
he is making his way there, but as it happens with traffic jams and congestion, it's beginning to slow. The Bible said many people followed Jesus and thronged him. The word throng, it means to cover, almost almost the, the, the uh, connotation of, of someone putting a blanket over someone, uh, almost suffering, they thronged him. It, it wasn't like uh, there was no six feet, give me my space. It, they were all up on Jesus. They didn't care. Um, they didn't care about politics. They didn't, they didn't care about social norms. Amen. They, they didn't care about tact and class, and they didn't care about decorum. They didn't care uh, about what was acceptable and what was pleasant and polite. Amen. All they knew is, I've got a need, and there's a man I've heard can meet the need. Let me tell you what this world doesn't need. This world doesn't need more religion. This world don't need more religion. This, this world don't need any more self-help gurus wearing a cross around their neck. Let me tell you what this world needs. This world needs a demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ in the earth. Don't, don't tell me about a God that can deliver. Show me that God can deliver. Don't just tell me about a God that can heal. Show me a God who has healed because that's what people want and that's what people need. I'm so glad that in this house this afternoon there are people that have been set free from addiction and the bondage of sin. There are people in this room this afternoon that have been raised up by the miracle healing power of Jesus Christ. It didn't come through meditation. It didn't come through mental ascent, but it came through the power of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you today, you can be healed of whatever your sickness is. You can be set free from whatever the chains of addiction are. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them he was just talking about me. Amen. Amen. Tell somebody, tell somebody, I'm going to say, look at me. And now if they're not looking at you, poke them say, look at me. Now I want you to stick your hand out. Say, you see my hand? Just, just reach out and touch that hand. Just reach out. You know what you just did? You have seen and touched a miracle. Don't let anybody tell you miracles don't happen. You just touched a miracle. You just seen a miracle. And I hope I don't smell funky because you smelling a miracle right now. I am a miracle because had it not been for God, I wouldn't be here right now. Had it not been for God, I'd have already lost my mind. Had it not been for Jesus, I'd already be in the jail. Had it not been for Jesus, I'd already be in prison. I am a miracle. Hallelujah. I, I don't think we, I, I, I think sometimes we, we, we just gloss over that. We don't, we don't really take time to, to internalize that, that statement that I am a miracle. Now that's in no way braggadocious. That's, that's in a way of pointing people to Jesus. I'm, I am that miracle. You don't believe in miracles? I am a miracle. I are one. 
People begin to throng. They begin to press. And I'm going I'm to tell you something right now. You invite people to church, you're probably going to get turned down. You invite somebody to experience Jesus, you're going to catch their ear. You invite somebody to a God, an experience with a God that can set them free. They've already tried Nicorette. They've already tried the patch. They're chewing the gum like it's going. They look like an old heifer chewing the cud in the field. Just, you know, just chewing it off. And it ain't helping them a little bit at all. What they need is to come in contact with the power of a God who can set them free. They've already tried AA. They've already tried NA. They've done the programs. They've been to the dry out clinics and nothing has helped them. But when you invite them to come in contact with a God who can set them free. Word spread and, and, and people were thronging him. They were, they were all over the place. This woman, she faced the battle of fighting a crowd who the crowd undoubtedly knew who this woman was. It was, they, they knew, they knew her situation. They at least knew that she had issues in her life. She faced the battle of facing these people that knew her. One of the most difficult battles you're going to face in your life is to face down those people who you have failed in front of. One of the most difficult battles you're going to fight is learning how to face people that you have failed in front of. Amen. Amen. And it doesn't make you a hypocrite for trying to do better. It's a testimony to the miracle and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ that I'm trying all over again. Because I'm telling you today, my God is not the God of a second chance. He's not the God of the third chance. He's the God of the 10,000 chance. He's the God of every time I get up, he will help me in my time of need. You've got to learn, you've got to learn to serve God in the face of those you failed in front of. It may not silence their cynicism, but it ought to be a testimony to God's power to recover you. One of the most difficult battles you're going to face is worshiping in front of people that know the junk you got in your closet. Amen. Amen. One of the most difficult things you're going to face is trying to reach somebody and them know the, the, claw, the skeletons you have still in your closet. You can't let that intimidate you. You've got to make up in your mind with everything in your heart. I am not going to let that keep me. I'm not going to let that stop me. Listen, my failure don't disqualify me. Amen. Let me say it like this, and I've said it before, and for those that have heard it before, just be twice blessed. The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die. What comes after that is the judgment. Unappointed unto man once to die, after that's the judgment. Let me repeat it again. Appointed unto man once to die, after, let me say it again. Appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment. What are you trying to say, Pastor? What I'm saying is this. If you're alive, he ain't judged you. 
let, let me put it another way. If your failure wasn't fatal, then your failure wasn't final. If it didn't kill you, then there's hope for you. If you're still alive, that means God still believes in you. If your failure ain't fatal, then your failure ain't final. You might ought to just get up again and let God show you his mercy. They, they, they knew who she was. They knew who she was. She, they knew who this woman was. But yet, she pressed anyway. Because you see, when failure forgets, it'll forget the multitudes and it'll reach out and touch Jesus anyway. You see, this woman, the Bible says that this woman had, had an issue. I'm glad I serve a God that's not intimidated by my issues. This seems to be one of the catchphrases of our, our world today, and I'm totally okay with it because all of us has an issue or another. And if you don't have an issue right now, God bless your pee-picking heart, you're going to have one in the future. Because ain't none of us perfect. None of us, we're striving for it, we're reaching for it, but we ain't going to get it until we obtain that new body on the other side. You've got you've to be comfortable not in your failure. You've got to be comfortable not in your issues, but you've got to be comfortable enough with your issues to say, I am not letting issues keep me away from God. I'm not letting my failure keep me from touching Jesus. I'm not... I'm not going to let my issues disqualify me and I ain't going to let your issue with my issues keep me from touching Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to let your issues with my issues keep me from touching Jesus. Because I'm a little closer to him than you are. You've got more issues to get over than I do because my only issue is getting to him. Your issue is getting over my issue and then you get to him. You keep finding a reason to tell me why God can't. I'll keep finding a way to reach out to him. Whatever you call it, problems, sickness, failure, issues, amen, we all have it. We all have it. Problems are still problems and failure is still failure. According to the law of God, uh, she was unclean. By law, she was unclean. If you study the law of Moses in the book of Leviticus, you'll find out this woman was considered to be unclean, impure, unholy uh, all the days of her issue. Amen. She was not allowed to go into public. She was not allowed to be in fellowship or communication. Amen. She had to isolate herself, even her family, according to the law, could not live with her because she had this issue of impurity and uncleanliness for 12 long years. This woman had been separated from everything that she loved, from everyone that was close to her, trying desperately to find a cure. 12 long years without the embrace of a husband. 12 long years without the kiss of a child or a grandchild. 12 long years she faced this issue in her life. And the longer she went with it, the lonelier her life 
life became. She was unable to come in contact with people that she knew and she loved for anything, anything that she touched, anything she sat upon or laid upon became polluted because of her issue of blood. If she sat on something, it had to be thrown away or it had to be burned because the law declared that she was unclean. Let me tell you something, sin by its very nature does us the same way spiritually. It leaves us unclean, impure, unholy, and unable to be cleansed by anything that we come in contact with. We've tried everything to cure the sin. We've tried social reform, and it didn't work. We've tried justice reform. It don't work. We've tried education, and it didn't work. The only thing that's going to fix this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. You can't make somebody love somebody. You can't make somebody embrace somebody. Amen. For what the law could not do for in it was weak. Jesus Christ came along and he taught us a more perfect law. Our sin alienated us from those around us. It alienated us from the very presence of the most holy God because of our uncleanliness, because of the impurity and the unholiness of our sin. We were cut off from God. What a societal failure this woman had become. Amen. She had suffered, quote, many things of many physicians. Undoubtedly, by traveling from one doctor to another, this woman became widely known. Hence, her issue was known to all those around her. Everyone knew that's the woman that nobody can help. That's the woman that nobody can seem to be able to find a cure for. I remember that woman lived in a nice mansion in the gated community over on the nicer part of town. I notice now her family doesn't live with her anymore. She lives She lives on Vagabond Row and Popper Street. She doesn't have anything anymore. She doesn't have the luxuries that she had just 12 years ago. Here she is. She has spent everything she has to simply accept the fact that she was doomed and that she would die in a state of uncleanliness. What a physical failure that this woman was. She had failed in the eyes of society. She had failed in the sight of religion. She had failed in the sight of science. And the Bible said she had spent all that she had. Not only is she not getting any better, but now she is running out of options. No doctor is going to see her anymore because she has no money and her reputation is widespread. She was incurable and now she's broke and she's become a financial failure. She has become a failure in every aspect of her life. But listen to me, brothers and sisters, when failure forgets all of these things, everything begins to change when failure forgets it begins to change everything because when you don't let your failure dictate your future and you let your faith determine what God can do Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this afternoon. Someone once said that failure, that failure is an invitation, amen, to have recourse to God. You see, something starts to happen when failure forgets. Something starts to happen when your failure forgets. When failure forgets, you start trying again. When failure forgets, you look in a new direction for the solution to your problem. When failure forgets, you start trying Jesus. When failure forgets, you don't listen to the opinion of friends and social media. 
anymore. When failure forgets, you can give a flying rip what anybody else thinks. When failure forgets, you depend on Jesus. When failure forgets, you trust in God. When failure forgets, you're no longer intimidated. When failure forgets, your bank account doesn't determine where you are in life. When failure forgets, people that have walked out on you doesn't determine who you're going to love going forward. When failure forgets, you begin to trust in God. What happened in this life? What happened in the life of this woman when failure forgot? I'll tell you what happened. When failure forgot that she was unclean, she broke tradition. And she pushed through the crowd. And she pushed through not just any crowd, but the crowd that knew her past. You see, when failure forgot that she was an outcast to society, she pushed through the crowd that would have intimidated her otherwise. When failure forgot that she had tried everything, yet nothing at work, she reached out one more time and she found the answer. When failure forgot that she was in financial ruin, that she had nothing with which to buy her healing, she found her healing in the hem of his garment. Because when failure forgets, When failure forgets. When failure forgets how many times you've tried and it didn't work. I don't need it to work every time. I just need it to work one time. I said, I don't need it to work every time. I just, I just need it to work one time. And when failure forgets that you've prayed that prayer for 12 years, but you're going to pray it one more time. When failure forgets that you've shouted and didn't see it, you'll shout one more time. When failure forgets that you believed and didn't see it come to pass, you're going to believe one more time. When failure forgets that you prophesied and testified of the miracle and didn't see it come to pass, when failure forgets all of those things, Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I feel like shouting here right now. I'll tell you what I feel happening in this place. I feel like somebody's failure is about to start forgetting. All the times you've cried, amen, and you didn't feel any relief. All the times you've reached out and you didn't feel like anything was reaching back. I want you to know, I know it may sound a little too good to be true, but could it be you're one more push from a breakthrough? You're one more shout from a miracle. You're one more prayer from deliverance. Could it be that if you just let your failure forget for a little bit if you would just tell your failure failure to sit down and shut up if you would tell your failure I'm not listening to it anymore I know I believe God in it but I'm going to believe him again I'm going to believe him again and again and again and again because when my failure forgets then God can do something in my life I cannot let my past determine my future I'm going to let my yes I failed God but I'm going to make that forget I want you to turn around and tell two or three people my failure is about to start forgetting. Come on, tell two or three people my failure is about to start forgetting. Come on, tell them my failure is about to start forgetting. This woman pressed her way into the crowd. 
Amen. She demonstrated, Brother Chase, that she was no longer going to be intimidated by those folks who their glares of condescension kept her locked in her prison of her own home. She determined that I'm not going to let those that have an opinion, because everybody's got an opinion about your situation. Everybody's all up in your business all the time. Everybody's got an opinion about how it ought to be done and how it should. You ought to do this and you should do it. Everybody's a weekend Oprah. Everybody's a Dr. Phil. Everybody's got an idea. But I'm going to tell you what you got to do. You got to learn to turn them off and start turning to him and say, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me what you think. It only matters what he thinks. I You see, when failure forgets, amen, you don't put value in stock into people's opinion anymore. When failure forgets, amen, you could care less what anybody else says. When failure forgets, amen, you don't remember the voices of the people that mocked you when it failed last time. You don't remember the voices of those who said you're not good enough. You didn't come from the right family. The people that said, yeah, your grandma's a loser, your mama's a loser, and you're a loser too. The ones that said great grandpappy was an addict and you're going to be because when failure forgets oh I feel the Holy Ghost right now I said I feel the Holy Ghost right now and I'm going to tell you something there's only one thing more powerful than failure forgetting and that's when God forgets say well God don't forget anything Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. Because when I repent of my sin and I go down in the waters of baptism, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, his blood covers my sin. The Bible said it blots out the handwriting of ordinances against me. Every sin I ever committed is under the blood. And the blood of Jesus is so powerful, Brother Josh, it'll cause an all-knowing God to forget. I tell you two things you want to forget. You want failure to forget, and you want God to forget the failure. I'm going to tell you, I preached a little bit this morning, and I'm going to jump all up on my Holy Ghost horse. I'm going to dig my spurs in its flank, and I'm going to ride it till it falls. I'm so sick of hearing all this spooky, supernatural guru, bunch of back-flipping, wishy-washing, trying to sound like some kind of theological uh, 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 mess of mysticism. All this, well, you got to pray the generational curse. The gen- you don't even know your Bible if you believe in that mess. Because once I was buried in the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter what my family did. You must not believe in the power of the cross if you believe a generational curse. No, there ain't no generational curse on me. I've been washed in the blood. I took on a new DNA. I took on the DNA of Calvary. I'm not, I don't need to pray about what my grandfather did. I've been born again. I've got a new father. I've got a new mother. I've got a new name written down in glory. My family may have, my family could have been a bunch of backward redneck hillbillies. They could have been rich. They could have been poor. It don't matter. God doesn't save you as a family. He saves you as an individual. Telling me all that mess. 
fact, somebody recently, I was preaching somewhere and they came to me and said, I only told you, there's a generational curse in my family. I just stopped and I said, look, first of all, I ain't got much time. Save your oxygen and save my time. I don't care. You waste my money. Don't waste my time. I can get more money. I can't get more time. It seems like you've got an issue understanding the Bible. You look right. You look like you've been serving God, but evidently you've been following Dr. Dumbbell who's been telling you that there's curses upon the generation. You don't believe in the power of the cross because the power of the cross breaks any curse. It- what are generational curses of cancer in my family? Now there's cancer on humanity. Maybe you have a propensity to it a little more, but that didn't come from the devil. Amen. I rebuke that spirit of fear that says, because my daddy had it, I got it. Or because my great-grandmama had it, I got it. I'm walking in a place where failure forgets. I'm walking in the liberty that I get when God forgets the failure. make that clear enough, Brother Trace, I'm sure where the Bible says until the second, that you're talking about the Old Testament. You need to learn to dispensationalize the promise of God. You're talking about things that don't even apply to, to Gentiles. You're talking about things that don't even apply to the New Testament. You're out there trying to figure out some kind of mysticism or whip people into a frenzy to buy their book, pray with their hanky, and drink their oil. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the foot of the cross, and I'm going to say, yeah, there's some issues up in my family. There's some genetical issues. Yeah, they like to drink. Yeah, they like to get bad, but I'm going to tell you, when I stepped up under the crimson flow of Calvary, all of a sudden, it didn't matter who my mama is. It didn't matter who my daddy is. It didn't, it didn't matter if they drink until they get gills. It doesn't matter until they, if they smoke until they get a chimney coming out of their head. If I'm washed in the blood, if I'm washed in the blood, if I'm washed in the blood... Amen. I've done, I've, I've done, been about had enough of all this stuff moving in Pentecost. About all this mess. That person told me, I, just, I, was, I was preaching in another state and they came to me and said, well, you, you, I'm, I'm talking about this, and brother so-and-so said, and, and, and you know, all the people in my family, you know, they, they all get divorced. And I said, hold on a second. Maybe because, maybe because uh, they don't know how to live with people. Maybe I ain't got nothing to be about a generational curse. And, and, and it could be that, you know, Maybe they couldn't stay faithful to their spouse. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm bought with the price. Now, my Bible says, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you unto me, and ye shall be my people, and I shall be your God, and I shall be my, your father, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. And the last I checked, God ain't never been cursed. Oh, I feel like shouting right now. See, the problem is, the problem is, you don't have understanding of God's value on you. And you cheapen yourself. And you cheapen yourself enough to think that a devil could curse what God's blessed. Let me, let me give you a perfect example. Hey, man. 
I was in a store a while back, and I walked over there, and I had some beautiful ties. And it's, it's already one of them hoity-toity high-end stores. I knew it was out of my price range when I walked through. I was cutting through to go eat somewhere. It was just shortcut. And they had these ties over there. I went over there and looked at these ties, and they were gorgeous. So I walked over there, and I looked at them, Brother Mondo, and I said, boy, that's a beautiful tie. And, of course, the salesman comes gliding over there and says, would you, you want this tie? I said, well, it's a beautiful tie. He proceeds to tell me how it's this extremely rare silk and that they're handmade in Italy. You had me at handmade in Italy. I like Italian ties. I think they're awesome. And it's nothing about in, against anybody else that makes ties. I just think the Italians got a good corner on making good ties. And it's a beautiful tie. And I'm looking at the tie. And I'm holding it. And by looking at it and holding it, I liked it a lot, which I have this incredible uh, propensity to be able to like things that I cannot afford. <laughs> and since I liked it, Brother Vinny, I knew I couldn't afford it. I, I just knew it. I said, whoa, that's beautiful. Out of my, out of my, I can guarantee it's out of my range. And and uh, he said, w well, would you like to go look in the mirror? Well, first of all, I'm not wearing a shirt that doesn't look good in the mirror with. I can tell you right now without looking at, uh, holding it up against my ugly skin that it's a beautiful tie. I already know it. And, and so I, I open. You, you know how you look at stuff and you're checking the price, but you don't want the salesperson to know you're checking the price? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You hold the watch up and you're like, oh, what brand, where was this made? Flip it over and you're digging the price tag out. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching the truth. You know what I'm telling you. Because Sister Cynthia, we all, got, we all got enough old pride in us that we can walk in there with holes in our Payless shoes and we don't want them to think we can't afford a $5,000 watch. Then we'll, we'll hand it to them and go, yeah, I don't like that style. But if they gave it to you, you'd be running and speaking in tongues. Ooh, look what I got. But you saw the price. I was like, yeah, I don't really like that. So he pulls a tie, he pulls a tie out of this beautiful velvet box, and he's like, open it up, you want to show me this tie, and, and, and I know what I'm looking for, I know I love the tie, I know it's out of my price range, I just want to know how far past the point of how, I got to look at it and figure out how many days do I go without my wife talking to me if I get this. <laughs> you know what I mean, there's that threshold, there's that threshold, you know, here, it's understandable. Here, she's going to question my decision. But when it's there, huh, I knew I wasn't going to buy it anyway. And I opened it up and I, I looked at it and turned the thing around. That tie was $799. Now I didn't stutter, and that wasn't in Hebrew. $799. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I was half impressed, half ticked off. For one, that God would put such a desire in me to find that tie, that beautiful. And then that they would insult me by trying to put it at that price. And I looked at that price, and I did not hold it back well. I, I, you know, I've got a pretty good poker face, even though we don't believe in playing poker. Amen. Unless it's for, you know, for money, we don't. And, and <laughs> it was building fun, yeah, yeah. We're sending him to Vegas next month for a building fund. No, I'm just kidding. So, so I look at that thing. I look at that thing and I, I, I'm at, you know, I'm trying to like, I'm going to look. I, I didn't know this. 
I'm pretty well versed in, in, you know, designs for men's ties and the name brands and, the, you know, what, what standard they are. And, you know, my favorite is, is uh, Zinnia and all this stuff. So I'm pretty familiar with all the high-end stuff. And, like, not that I had it, but I'm the kind of guy that goes on eBay and I buy it after the rich people get broke. I was preaching in Alabama and the pastor's son goes, he goes, those are, those are handmade mezzelins, aren't they? I said, yeah. He goes, oh. He's just drooling on him. I said, yeah. And I saw it in his mind. You can't touch them for $1,299. And so I just let him sit on it for a minute. And then I turned and I said, you know where I got them? He's like, I don't know. He said, I got on eBay for 89 bucks. He goes, no, you didn't get eBay for 99 I said, yeah, I did. And mama didn't raise no fool. I may have been born tonight, but it wasn't last night. I'm going to let somebody else take the hit on it, and I'll buy it. For, as long as I ain't got no funky foot fungus, I'm going to buy it. And believe me, I, I anointed that stuff with some of them Lysol wipes up in that thing. Jesus' name. And I'm flipping that thing over, and I look at it, because I'm, I'm looking for the, the name, but I'm actually looking for that price tag. When I flipped it over, I'm telling you, it, that price tag went, whoa. And he saw my reaction. And I was man, is that what I am? And it like, when, when I see something like that, it's like the, the country comes out in me. I said, I said, $799. I, I couldn't even hold it in anymore. $799 for a tie. And, and he's, yeah, like, like he sells 20 a day. I said, man, what's this dot? Does this thing tie itself? He goes, No. I said, $799, this thing better tie itself. I said, is this, I said, is, you know, is this what, uh, I, I had his name at the, I said, is this what Bernie Madoff used when he found out he had schemed everybody out of money, you just tie it and not and just, he goes, no. I said, is this thing on sale? He goes, no, these don't go on sale. I said, I said, $799. Dollars for a tie. And I said, now tell me again about that silk. And he starts telling me. And he's telling me, of course, he knows all the designs and all the hoobam and dooman befligies and all this. And I finally, I said, but who, who set the price at $799? He said, that's what the designer determined the value to be. You're so frustrated in your life because you're putting yourself on the 50% off sale rack at Ross. When you don't realize that the designer already determined your value. 
And I'm not talking about acting prideful and haughty, but you need to understand something. You aren't no rip-off, knock-off, generic. You are the apple of God's eye, his most prized possession. And let me tell you something. My Bible tells me that by Jesus, all things were created, both in heaven and in earth, whether they be visible or invisible, whether they be thrones or dominion. And I want you to know something. Your designer has already determined your value. When he went to Calvary's cross, he determined your value. You've got to quit looking at your failure as if God has somehow cheapened your worth. You've got to quit looking at your failure as if you're some used goods on a sale rack somewhere. You need to see yourself as a child of the Most High God and realize if I can cause my failure to forget and if God can forget my failure. You know, I'm a host. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about some kind of mental ascension to help those that are feeble-minded. I'm talking about a revelation of worth, a revelation of value that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let all unto him belong, those that are weak, but he is strong. I'm telling you, God loves you. You ought to get on your feet right now. You ought to lift your hands and say thank you Jesus thank you for your divine love thank you Jesus for your divine love and value when failure forgets I said when failure forgets when failure forgets when failure forgets you'll quit cheap in your experience when failure forgets you'll quit saying I'm a nobody when failure forgets you'll quit saying I'm a loser when failure forgets you'll stop saying I'm ugly when failure forgets you'll say you'll stop saying nobody likes me when failure forgets you will start understanding that God has given you value Listen to me. I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost doing the deep work right now. When failure forgets. When failure forgets. The sting of a parent constantly devaluing your worth begins to lose its impact. When failure forgets. 
harsh words of a previous spouse or relationship begins to lose its impact. When failure forgets, the abandonment of a loved one or a parent begins to lose its sting because you realize somebody has value for me. And when failure forgets, you will push your way through a crowd. People who know all your business. People who know all the stuff you've been through or maybe they don't. But when failure forgets, you go from God can't to God will. I'm talking to somebody right now. Hey, look, we could turn this thing up and we could just shout and dance and put in a 4-4 and an E-flat and we just shout all over this place. But I feel God doing a deep work in here right now. Because some of you, those words were stinging into your heart as I was preaching. But if you would just let failure forget today, even but for a moment, just reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. And all of a sudden, perspectives begin to change. In the name of Jesus. I'm preaching to somebody whose finances are a wreck because you just spend and spend trying to bring value to your life. But nothing, no possessions is going to bring value to your life. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Oh, I know you may be filled with the Holy Ghost. You may have been living for God for years. But today, God, God exposed that wound in your spirit and said, I love you past that. I know you failed. Amen. I know things were your fault and I know the things that weren't your fault. And I'm going to tell you, I love you past your failure. I love you past that. Oh, come on. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Is there somebody that would just close your eyes before? I'm about to open this altar. But is there anybody just close your eyes for a moment lift up their hands and you would just lift up your voice to Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, where are you at, my brother, my sister? I open these up for somebody like the woman with the issue of blood to say, I'm getting to that altar today. I'm going to make my failure forget. Come on, my failure is going to forget. My failure is going to forget. Come on, that's it. I want to open this altar for somebody right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, there's a deep healing coming to this place. Amen. You can leave here with it if you want to. Or you can put it at the foot of the cross right now. Come on, he loves you with an everlasting love. He vows you with an unestimable love. He... Yes, 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 yes. Come on, reach out to him right now. Let those hot tears run down your face. Release the emotion of 30 years of pain, 50 years of hurt, 15 years of failure. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go and let failure forget. Because Jesus is going to heal you today. There's a breakthrough coming to your spirit today. Up inside, you thought I was too-
Maxwell. Thanks for that. Even right where you are in your chair, even where you are at the altar, preach a song of lifting voice to Jesus. Break down that wall. Break down that wall and touch him right now. Reach out and press and touch the hem of his garment. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.